Hey, happy Thanksgiving, happy Black Friday, happy Cyber Monday. I don't even know anymore. What's up, Calvary Irving? Ben Daly here. Thank you so very much for being a part of a worship experience today at Calvary Church. In person, as well as online or some other digital platform. It's always important to have an attitude of thankfulness, but this special season of Thanksgiving reminds us to look back and think about what God has done. As Kim and I look back over 2021, we're especially thankful for you. You've joined with us, you've prayed for us, you've sacrificially given to help take the good news of God's grace to people literally around the world. Did you know that? So on behalf of the thousands that you've helped, we say thank you. We're praising God because of you and pray that his blessings will overtake you. We believe you're gonna be blessed in this life and in the life to come. Now listen, next Sunday, we're kicking off a new series called Home for Christmas. This series will take us all the way to our Christmas Eve candlelight experience. I need you to invite your friends and family this Christmas season. It's a no fear Christmas. We're gonna give you a whole lot of hope. But today, can you believe it? It's the seventh and final part of our series Encounters, Growing with Jesus and the Gospel of John. If you've missed any of this series, check it out online. Now let's close this series by dealing with restoration after failure. Are you ready? Here we go. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben. Can we just take a moment to thank God for our lead pastors, man? I love them dearly. Pastor Ben and Kim, so excited and grateful to be a part of this team. Thank God for my buddy, Pastor Jacob is here, y'all. This message as we close is going to take two of us to tackle this assignment today. <laughs> well, real quick, for those who are tuning in, joining us online, those of you guys are here in person, you've noticed things look a little different today. I want to welcome you to our extended worship experience. Clap your hands if you enjoyed that extra time. <laughs> Pastor Ethan and the team just wanted to make sure that we had extra time to just express our love towards our great father and extra time to be reminded of how much he loves us. So we could worship with a little long, so that means we got to have a shorter message today. I need help today. Because if you leave me by myself, I'm tended to stay up here for an hour. So Pastor Jacob is here to make sure we're going to keep me on track today. <laughs> but we're at the conclusion of our series, Encounters. We're in chapter 21. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there with me real quick. And as we approach the end or the conclusion of this series, remember we're looking at these special encounters of Jesus. He is dealing with people with problems and situations, hurts and pains and hangups. Calvary, watch really close how Jesus encounters them. There is a special touch, a special care that we see from Jesus in the book of John. Today, we're going to specifically point out a very, very detailed and powerful experience. We're going to look at the story of how Jesus restores Peter after he has fallen into sin. And I don't care what your background is, everybody here, you're going to get a piece of the message today that you can say, I've been through that or I'm going through that right now. But I want to make this statement, Pastor Jacob, Christians, especially mature Christians, mature believers, we are to be on the cutting edge of what it means to help people who have failed to find redemption yes. and restoration. Anytime a person feels in their heart that they'll find more comfort, 
and forgiveness offered in a bar than they will in church. Something's wrong with that picture. What we're going to talk about today as we conclude, and it's a question, we're going to really look at ourselves as believers. How is it possible that the people who should be the most grateful, the people who should be the most non-condemning and gracious and patient people on the world, how is it that we're often viewed as the most hateful and judgmental people on the planet? How is it after all the love and grace that God has shown us that we end up being known as the ones who are most hateful and judgmental? So today as we go into this message and dive deeper into it, I'm in no way saying that God would not judge evil. He will. There'll come a day for that. But the gospel is the good news which, which proclaims for everyone who trusts in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, their judgment has already happened. That's good news, and that's a clapping moment right there. Because if you believe and you have literally received the new life of Christ, your judgment has already happened. You are free. You are redeemed. And God's judgment over you is love. You ought to be celebrating the love of God today. The judgment has been dealt with on the cross by a loving Savior who took our punishment upon himself. And here's what I want to say. God alone is judge, and we are the ambassadors, listen, of the good news of grace. We're not the ambassadors of judgment. We're the ambassadors of the forgiveness of sin. We're not the ambassadors of judgment. We're the ambassadors of reconciliation with God and with our fellow man through Christ. We are not the ambassadors of judgment. So in the storyline of John's gospel, we see that sacrifice on the cross took place in chapter 19. Before Jesus went to the cross, remember this, we mentioned it last week. Jesus predicted that Peter would disown him. Right. Not once, not twice, but three times. And this brings us to the beginning of chapter 21. So Jesus has been crucified. He's been placed in the tomb from Friday to Sunday. And we all know what happened Sunday morning. He resurrected from the dead. And because of his resurrecting, we too have been resurrected to new life. I'm so glad I didn't have to tell you to clap. You automatically knew to celebrate the new life of Christ. So he's appeared again several times, Pastor Jacob, and that's where we pick up here in chapter 21. That's right. And, and this story is actually taking place during some pretty amazing parts of history. Yeah. At this point, as you said, Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Right. He died, was buried, rose from the dead. Yeah and is now presenting himself before men. So now here, we're here in John 21, we see Peter hanging out with Thomas, Nathaniel, James, a few other guys, and John is there as well. And John is the writer of this book. And this group of guys has left Jerusalem, returned to Galilee, and Peter says in John 21 verse three, I'm going out to fish. I'm going out to fish. Still struggling. I think with the shame of his previous failures against Jesus, Peter is going back to seek some relief in doing what he used to do before Jesus came into his life three years earlier. I'll just go back. The other disciples join him in the boat, but all of their efforts, the scripture says, are in vain. All night long, the nets remain empty. And just like I'd be, Pastor Kareem, the disciples are frustrated. 
And Jesus shows up on the shore around, the sun, uh, around sunrise and they're getting ready to call it a night. They're, they're upset. And Jesus calls out to them in verse five saying, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Jesus replies, try throwing your net on the other side of the boat and then you'll catch some. Now, it doesn't say it here in the text, but I imagine that at least a couple of these guys are thinking, what in the world? This guy's crazy. This dude is ridiculous. The other side of the boat's like 10 feet away. We've been fishing here all night. What difference is it going to make? But the story goes on to say that they went ahead and did what Jesus says, and they end up pulling in a catch of 153 large fish. Now, that's the response I thought I was going to get from y'all. Look, I know for us in this day and age, the mentality that a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work, but that's not the case for them. See, uh, fishing was work. Fishing was how they fed their families and themselves. So they bring in this big catch and now they're excited. They rush back to the shore to get close to Jesus and they find him cooking breakfast for them over a fire. Now you have to remember, Peter's last memory of warming himself by a fire was not a good one. And here he is now, Pastor Kareem, standing by yet another fire on the Sea of Galilee, you know, wrestling with those same feelings of guilt and shame that he had just one week earlier. This is why this story just, it touches my heart. Do you see what Jesus is doing here, Calvary? Jesus, the Savior, yeah that Peter had denied is now serving him. That's right. Isn't it amazing? This picture that we see, and we ought to just take these pictures and these glimpses because Christ is in us, the very nature of Christ. The Christ that we see operating in John is the Christ that is in us. And I want us to really pay attention to these next few moments because they're very pivotal as we go into a new year. There's something that pastor wants to release over this house. We are growing and maturing in faith, and a part of it is how we treat people. Yeah especially those who are hurting and broken and wounded and struggling. Peter's struggling. That's right. But Jesus comes to him, sits him down, says, let's have a little breakfast. He sets him aside for a private conversation, not in public. Because, you know, some of us grew up in the holiness church. The place to really have a conversation was always after the service in front of everybody. Call you out. Calling you out, right? But Jesus puts him aside and said, Peter, let's talk. That's the love of God. That's grace that we're talking about being personified through Christ. Think about this. Can you imagine the regret, the shame, the embarrassment that Peter is going through and he's having a one-on-one with Jesus? I'm not sure if you've ever been through it before, but if anybody here has ever had that type of situation where you had to have a conversation with someone that you failed, it's very awkward. It's very uncomfortable. And I'm sure Jesus is aware with how uncomfortable this is. But listen to the conversation. In verse 15, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Remember, it was Peter that made a declaration that he loved Jesus more. And he said that I'll never abandon you. I will never leave you. I'm not a slacker. I'm your greatest supporter and follower. Y'all remember Jesus made that declaration before the cross? And here he is after failing, and he's got to have a conversation with Jesus about love. That's right. 
But listen to what Jesus says. He uses the word agape, which was the Greek word that meant sacrificial love. It was the highest expression of love. Now, Peter's response in verse 15 says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But the word that Peter used was a lesser word that meant affection. It was a word we use for brotherly love, phileo. Peter's use of this alternative word, and I really want you to hear my heart, Calvary, was a glimpse of the effects of shame in the human heart. See, when you're dealing with shame and guilt, it creates in us this profound sense of worthlessness. And basically, Peter is saying, I'm not good enough to love you the way that you love me. So I'm going to use this lesser form of love to express my love towards you. Could it be that that guilt and shame from his cowardly denial motivated his conversation? But look at Jesus, y'all. Jesus didn't condemn him. He didn't beat him while he was down. Jesus simply, gently replied, feed my sheep. See, in the text, I believe in my heart that those three conversations that Jesus is having with Peter about love, because he mentioned it three times. I think it reminded Peter of the three times he denied Jesus. So while this stuff is stirring in the heart of Peter, this conversation is probably turning some things in his heart, in his mind, and in his soul. I want you to understand that there's some amazing things about restoration after failure. There is a beautiful picture that is drawn out. So for the next few moments, as we go through and close out this series, I want you to take note of what Jesus, how he's dealing with Peter, because there's some revelation for us to help us deal with someone who needs restoration. Absolutely. So when we look Look at when a brother or sister has failed, and we've all failed in some way, shape, or form. We can learn from what Jesus does, how he restores Peter. In the same way, we can learn how we can emulate the same towards that person. That person that's coming to your mind today as you're listening to this message. What can we learn from Jesus about how to restore that type of person? I want to quickly consider a few things that we get from this account. Number one, if you're taking notes in the app, write this down. Jesus seeks after Peter. In other words, Jesus pursues him. He doesn't distance himself. He doesn't condemn him. He doesn't expose him. He knows that Peter doesn't need another cold shoulder. He doesn't need more guilt heaped upon him. And the punishment that he's already feeling, he knows that. He understands that. He gets that. I wish church folk would get that. And in verse 1, he tells us that Peter, that Jesus appeared again. He says Jesus appeared again. Every single word has intentionality here. He appeared again to Peter and to the other disciples. Now look, Jesus didn't have to do this. He had already appeared to them for other reasons In previous days, in previous accounts, he had already proven his resurrection to them, which was really the focus of the previous appearances. So this appearance here isn't focused on establishing the validity of Jesus's resurrection. No, this appearance is focused on establishing the validity of Peter's restoration. Y'all know that throughout Peter's journey and relationship with Jesus, this guy wasn't always the easiest person to deal with. Peter was that disciple who was always talking out of turn, 
always putting his foot in his mouth, always acting impulsively, always struggling with pride, always self-seeking and bickering, always fickle in his devotion to Christ. The list goes on. But even still here, listen, church, in the wake of the ultimate failure of devotion, denying that he even knew Jesus, Jesus continues to pursue Peter relentlessly. That's powerful, man. He's pursuing him. And it makes me think about something. Jesus knows he's wounded, yeah. hurting, broken, probably too ashamed <laughs> That's right. to come to him. Isn't it amazing? Jesus says, I'm going to come to you. Yeah. So not only does he seek him, but check this out. He doesn't stop by seeking Peter. Secondly, he serves Peter to validate their friendship. Wow. So he says, I'm going to serve you because I want you to get the point that I still love you. Yes. I want you to get the point. You remember the promise you made to me that you never leave me and forsake me? You remember you said that you was going to be there? I want you to know that when I say it, I really mean it. So I want to serve you just so Come you on. get it. I love you, Peter. I'm never leaving you hanging, Peter. I know you denied me. I know you dealt with some fear and some shame, but I'm here to validate my friendship yeah. with you, yeah. Peter. This is the picture of mature Christianity. Yeah. Clap your hands if you're receiving this today. It's just a picture, y'all. You got to get it. So check this out. Jesus serves Peter supernaturally, provided a miraculous catch, right? But he also serves him in the natural realm, being a buddy. Let's eat breakfast. I'm going to tell you right now, ain't nothing like just eating breakfast with your friends. Hint, Calvary. <laughs> Jesus was aware that Peter's natural sense of shame and pride would have made him feel like he didn't deserve anything from Jesus. So Jesus operates in the supernatural. Come on, believers, listen to me. Sometimes we often, we expect Jesus to do the supernatural, but we don't feel worthy enough for him to come into our natural. I'm here to remind you that you serve a God. Not only does he have the power to do supernatural, but he has the love and care to come with you in your natural yes. realm. And he yes. brings the supernatural with him. And he wants to validate friendship. He wants to validate that he is still with you and for you. So if there's anybody here struggling with guilt and shame, I want you to look at this picture and I I want you to be fully convinced that God loves to dwell with you. He loves to have fellowship with you. He loves to sit at the table with you and have conversation with you. Remember Romans chapter 2 says that the kindness of God leads a person to repentance. Look at Jesus. He's demonstrating kindness to Peter. And I believe that Peter's heart is changing. There's so much more to say on this, Pastor Jake, but we got to get to the other two and we ain't going to finish. So go ahead and tell us number three. Well, we're, we're looking at Peter's life in a very yes. practical way. We're bringing this story home. Yes. And we can see that Peter was really a guy who didn't really understand his own personal brokenness. Yeah. Maybe that's some of us as we do some self-reflection over our life, we yeah. begin to understand why we do what we do, why we say what we say. Why we have those trigger thoughts that just come so easily. We're understanding the traumas that have happened in our life. He's understanding his personal brokenness again through the kindness of God. But when we watch how Jesus deals with Peter and his life, we see that yes, Peter, uh, Jesus seeks Peter. He serves Peter. But thirdly, watch close as we see Jesus then stoops to meet Peter where he's at. 
Now think about this carefully with me because I want you to see the majestic degree of grace that Jesus is really showing Peter here. That word grace is used about 150 times throughout scripture and about 20 of those times appear in the Old Testament translated from a couple different words in the Hebrew language. And when you study out the Old Testament, you'll see that it reflects some general uses of the concept of grace. Sometimes the Old Testament translation of grace depicts the idea of beauty or charm. But the main Hebrew word translated grace comes from the word that means to show favor. Some scholars illustrate the Old Covenant picture of grace as someone in a superior position actually bending down or stooping down to help a person in need that might be in an inferior position. And I love Barnhouse's words in his commentary on Romans. He says, love that goes upward is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. But love that stoops down is grace. Calvary, today as we worship, I want you to consciously realize why you sing. Why you lift your hands. You are worshiping a savior. The son, Jesus, who seeks after you. Who serves you. And just like we've seen throughout each week of this powerful encounter series. A Jesus who stoops to minister to the woman at the well. A Jesus who stoops to heal a man at the pool of Bethesda that nobody else wanted to touch. Oh, that same Jesus stoops to write down words on the ground defending the woman caught in adultery. It's this Jesus who wraps a towel around his waist and stoops down to wash his disciples' feet. Even in this story here, church, we see Jesus who what? Stoops by being willing to meet Peter exactly where he is. And why does Jesus do this? All because Jesus is full of grace and truth. And remember, grace stoops. Grace is a love that stoops. And I came to tell somebody today that just like he stooped back then, he will stoop right now in your situation. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what's in front of you, but you got a God that stoops in your situation. In your marriage, he'll stoop down and rescue you from divorce. In your money, he'll stoop down and make sure it's good. In your mind, he'll stoop down and remind you that you've been given the mind of Christ. Do I got anybody here in this 11 a.m. worship experience that knows a God that will stoop? Come on, somebody, and give God praise. I dare you to give the God that stoops a stupid praise right now in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, you can do better than every time you need him, he stoops. Every time you call him, he stoops. Every tear you cry, he stoops to clean it up from your eyes. I dare you one more time, give that God a stupid praise in Jesus' name. Yay! He's the God that hey, stoops. We praise him because he stooped for us. 
Hey, aren't you glad he stooped down in Southern California some 20-something years yes, ago, sir. doctor? When you was acting a fool down there, he stooped down. Don't tell my hey, secret. I'm just, I'm just, Don't be putting my I gotta business I got to tell your me. business instead of mine today. I just, aren't you glad he stooped down wherever you were yes. when you were weak and wounded and broken and confused? Aren't you glad he stooped down? Isn't that why we're praising him today? Isn't that why we're celebrating today? Because yes. we serve a God who was willing to stoop down in the point in the midst of our greatest need. He loved us enough to stoop down and give involved in our mess he rolled up our sleeve he didn't say hey Jacob you go deal with that mess he stooped down and rolled up his sleeve and said I'm gonna work with you in this mess and we're gonna get the victory the victory that I've already given on the cross you're gonna see it realized in your mess I'm stooping down to reveal my great love towards you somebody ought to be celebrating just one more time just one more time Woo! You supposed to be here to stop me from preaching. I'm sorry. My I'm sorry. goodness. Got on me. Woo! I felt the Holy Ghost when you stood up. I felt power back here. <laughs> well, this is a this is the heartbeat of Calvary, y'all. You want to know why Pastor Jacob is excited? You want to know why I'm excited? Because when we look at the landscape of what our pastor has been teaching and declaring and releasing over us as leaders, this is the picture that we want to see for this house. We want to see a mature group of believers who are willing to stoop down and help people process so that they can receive the restoration of an amazing father. That's what we're all about. We get excited, y'all. But here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus did not focus on Peter's performance. He focused on Peter's potential. Why do we seek? Why do we serve? And why do we stoop? Here's number four. Jesus sees the potential in Peter. Wow. See, wow. when you see potential in someone, you're willing to go the extra mile. I'm looking out here. I see a whole lot of potential. I don't see perfection, but I see potential. I see some brokenness, but beneath that brokenness, there's potential. I see some issues and some hangups. I see some stories. Remember, we mentioned stories of redemption. I see a lot of stories but there is potential. Even online, you're watching today. I don't know what you're doing right now at this moment, but there's potential in you. And we're declaring over you that we see beyond your faults and we see beyond your hangups and we see beyond the lack of perfection. We see the potential of Christ on the inside of you. And we're not giving up. We're going to continue to take on this powerful example that Christ is showing us. And we're going to look at people and we're going to see the end from the beginning like Jesus. Yes. We're not going to look at things outwardly and try to judge people based upon what we see. But we're going to go a step further as mature believers. And we're going to say this. There's something on the inside of everybody. And God wants to pull it out. Why do we preach the gospel? Because it's the good news that will pull out that great treasure that's on the inside of you. Clap your hands if you know there's a treasure on the inside of you. Judgment will not pull it out. Con condemnation won't pull it out. But the good news of our Savior and his love towards us, it'll pull that treasure out of you. I'm pulling treasures out today. I'm smiling and I'm walking with you and I'm here to serve with you so that those treasures will come out. Here's number five, y'all. We're going to close on this one and we've got a very important announcement. Jesus sends Peter into his purpose. Did you know that 40 days after this conversation, 40 days after the cross, you got to understand that two chapters later, Acts chapter 2, Peter 
preaches one of the greatest messages known to man. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he is preaching a message. He is preaching the gospel and 3,000 people believe in Christ and receive new life because of the broken, rejected, hurting, wounded Peter that Jesus saw potential in him and did not give up on him. You see the power of not giving up on somebody. You see the power of loving people. You see the power of serving people because there's a redemptive story on the inside of everybody in this place and everybody watching online. And we see that potential and we're calling it out of you. He sends Peter into his purpose because when God restores the person, he also restores their purpose. Won't you do me a favor? Just lift your hands right now. And I want you to just receive this simple prayer. God, I declare today that our eyes will open up to the amazing purpose that you've placed on the inside of us. That we won't allow our mistakes, our brokenness our denial, our moments of frailty. We won't allow seasons of rebellion and rejection and abandonment to get in the way of the amazing purpose that you've placed on the inside of us. Here's what I'm declaring over you today, Calvary. The reason why Jesus was so patient with Peter because he wasn't finished with him yet. And I want to declare over you that Jesus is not finished with you yet. You may be divorced, but he's not finished with you. You may be bankrupt, but he's not finished with you. You may be locked up, but he's not finished with you. You may have dropped out, but he's not finished with you. You may be struggling with an addiction, but he is not finished with you. You may be abused, but he is not finished with you. We are here to remind you that he is not finished with you, but he's speaking over you. He's declaring goodness over you. He's restoring you. He's giving you glimpse of glory. He's giving you his heart, his mind, his spirit, his power. He's giving you all authority so that you can now walk in your purpose. You're a son. You're a daughter. You've got a seat at the table. You and all your brokenness and frailties can come to the table and be restored and made new and you can receive new life, abundant life, everlasting life, overflowing life. Yeah, you've gone through some dark days. You've gone through trials. You've gone through tribulation. You've gone through confusion but your God still loves you. He is here for you. He wants to dwell on the inside of you and he wants you to reign on earth receive restoration today all throughout scripture we see the story of restoration but I want you to be ready to see the story of your restoration he's not done with you yet ah oh, there's still some things happening on the inside He's still moving and he's still proving just how great he is in your life. Someone who's been bankrupt is going to be prosperous. Someone who's been abandoned, you're going to be loved and you're going to walk into an amazing family that cares for you. Somebody who's been broken and wounded and abused your entire life, you're going to walk through the doors and we say welcome home and you're going to feel strength and you're going to feel joy and you're going to feel new life and you're going to be convinced that you are loved we're seeking we're serving we're stooping come on we're, we want eyes to open we see potential and we believe that God's going to restore purpose in this place today I want to close with a question before Pastor Chris comes out Calvary what we're declaring over you today is the model this is the church that our pastors want to pastor this is the church that is validated in scripture it is the church that is willing to seek 
serve, stoop, see potential, and help people rediscover God's purpose for their lives. Am I talking to the right church today? Please clap your hands and say amen. I want you to get ready as we close out this year. Pastor mentioned we're going to go over some things for Christmas, but when we go into 2022, we're going to release some messages on maturity, and you're going to be able to embrace this beautiful, clear picture of what mature believers are supposed to live like. We're radical. We're taking steps of faith. In fact, Calvary, if you want to be radical, just start loving people the way that you see Jesus loving people in the book of John. Take the notes from Encounter and start applying them to your life and you're going to see some manifestations of radical living. When we're getting ready to do something radical this Christmas, Pastor Chris is going to come out and talk about it in a moment. He's got a special guest. Do me a favor, Calvary. Take a look at the big screen right after Pastor Chris will be here to share with you. In 2019, Texas Department for Family and Protective Services reported that over 10,000 children were removed from their family homes and placed into the foster care system. Due to a lack of resources, many children are given a trash bag to pack up their belongings when they are removed from their homes. This often leaves the children with merely minutes to grab their belongings and stuff them into a trash bag. Calvary Church has teamed up with our community partners, Family First, in order to bring back dignity to these vulnerable children. We will demonstrate the gospel by providing them with their own personal bags filled with essential items. It is our prayer that through these bags, a child in unsure times will have some dignity restored and know that people care for them. Supporting this mission is simple. $25 will sponsor a child's duffel bag full of essential items. We are asking that each of you prayerfully consider how many bags you can purchase. Well, I just want to talk for a moment. I'm going to get you up out of here. If you can give us five more minutes, you will be out the door. I promise you. I want to talk about this project that... Uh, Pastor Ben and the team here have been working on um, behind the scenes for the last couple months. We're calling it Love Totes. And uh, here to help me talk about it is somebody who has uh, really been kind of the, the brainchild of, of how this is going to look and what we're going to do for these foster kids. Could you all do me a favor and welcome Heidi Lauda to the stage? Could you all do that? She's a worship leader, she's a daughter in the house, and she's helping us with this project. Uh, Laura, or Heidi, I'm sorry, I wanna, I wanna ask you just a couple quick questions so that people can get some understanding of this concept of the foster care system and the kids. The first one is why these love totes? Why bags? Why do we give bags? Why are these simple, seemingly insignificant things why did we choose that? Why did you choose that to, to give? They are so significant. And uh, the reason for that is because um, it's going to restore the humanity and the dignity in the children that are carrying these around. Um, I truly believe that people don't necessarily know too much about foster care. Um, but really, uh, a child in the foster care system has definitely been knocked down and kicked around a little bit. And so they're already in a very vulnerable place. And to replace the trash bag that they're carrying their belongings in um, is going to restore that the humanity in it. And also, it's practical. You know, as you yeah. mentioned, of course, it's something that they need um, to move their things around. Um, 
you know, and I also believe that if, I, I just don't think that you can have a child think anything more than as far as their worthiness or worth um, if they're carrying their precious items in a trash bag. And we expect them to think of themselves as more than trash. And we try yeah. to instill that to them as they're going into adolescence. But That's right. Talk, talk about the instability that some of these kids have. How unstable uh, being in the foster care system is. Well, there's a lot of things that go into this. So it can be something where they're going to go back home and they're going to go be reunited with their parents. It could be years until that happens. It could be months or their parents could lose their rights and they never go back with their parents, which means they move from home to home to home. Um, something that people don't know is that you also, parents have the choice to say, this kid doesn't really fit in with me. So unfortunately, it's not going to work. That's behind the scenes stuff. But the next thing you know, that morning, they're like, hey, we're going to move you from this home and just pack up your stuff. And unfortunately, that stuff gets put into a trash bag. That is not that is not just something you see in the movies. That is real. That is real. So you see why these bags are significant. A brand new bag that's going to have items in it. And also there's going to be notes. Our uh, children's ministry, they're writing notes to these kids. So each bag will have a note in there. But here's the last question I have for you. And maybe you could talk a little bit. Why does this, this is a personal question, why does this outreach or this at-risk group of people, kids, why does it mean so much to you personally? So I was a kid of, I was awarded the state from age five until I emancipated. I was almost 19, you know, when I graduated. And um, that situation, when these kids go into foster care, they're not coming from a home where, you know, things are just a little rocky. Typically, it's an emergency situation. The state cannot afford these kids. So for them to take them from a home and say, hey, we're going to give you care, that means it's a dismal situation, an emergency. In my situation, personally, my, my brother was in the hospital with broken bones from child abuse. So they came in. They wasted no time at 5 in the morning getting us up in our PJs and telling us to put our precious things in a bag and and moving us into a home with strangers you know where you don't recognize the living room you don't recognize the kitchen you don't recognize the milk like I know that I, I that's something for some reason that was one thing that was just my normal kid thing to enjoy was like I was all about the milk and every time I would move I'm like they drink another milk and it's weird and whatever so these kids are just innocent they're innocent children and for us to um expect that they're going to move along throughout their childhood carrying the small things that they have in trash bags that's why this it's almost a no-brainer and i've told you like my further my further extension of this dream would be for them to be carrying around you know like samsonite greatness and rocking some great shoes and all of these things i feel yeah. that's, that that is the thing that we should be doing that should be the what happens at the beginning not something that is like an afterthought that's future, future thoughts. So we'll start here, you know, with the totes, at least let them carry around their stuff with dignity and pride. And it's, it's truly like a, a gesture. We're showing you something brand new that you call yours. That, that is something nice. It's something other than a garbage bag. So when you look at it, you don't feel that low. Like I'm hauling my junk in, in a garbage bag. It's, it's a token. And I think there's a lot more to this issue that if you talk to, Heidi, you would see there's much more in her heart, big picture-wise, that she wants to do. But for this outreach, this is what we want to do in a very tangible, simple way that we can partner. I've got a uh, hundred envelopes left here. Yeah, they're there. A um, hundred envelopes. 
that for this project, next week you're going to hear the, the, the um, leader of Family First, Pastor Ben, is going to be up here interviewing him. We're partnering with them um, as well. But we want you to be a part of it. So here, if you can help me do this, um, could you guys remove the straps from there real quick? Could you do that? Coach, could you help me and remove the straps? Um, I've got... This is the project right here. We want to get a 700 bags full of essential items. The cost is $25 per bag. If you hadn't grabbed one of these envelopes, could you slip out of your seat now and just grab one of these envelopes? If you want to help, one envelope is one bag. You can get out of your seat right now and you can move. You know, we've got this project. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, helping us finish this project out. This is a big deal for us, guys. It's what Heidi was saying. We want to have a practical expression of God's love. It's one thing just to go, oh, we support you, we're for you. But it's another thing to have a tangible gift. Not only do we declare, we demonstrate. Now, I'm going to give you one last thing. If you brought, um, if you grabbed an envelope last week, could you do me a huge favor? Could you bring that in, back in? Could you give? We need those back because we have a ton of things that we're ordering and we're ordering them staggered as the money comes in. And y'all know how shipping is. It's crazy out there right now. So if you could bring that money back as soon as possible for this project and allow us to get it out, thank you uh, for partnering with us. Could y'all stand to your feet real quick and let me just speak a blessing over you. Thank you guys, by the way, for helping us with these envelopes. Thank you. All, everyone who grabbed an envelope and it's multiple, some of you grabbed multiple envelopes. Thank you very much. Y'all, I, I think I've got eight envelopes sitting right there. Come on, y'all. This, the, this is the last of the envelopes. If you could help us with this, there's eight more envelopes right here. I don't think I counted right, but one. it's close. It's close. Judging. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Come on, y'all. We're finishing this project right here. Come on, put your hands together. That's it right there. Thank you, guys. That's it. That's the project. Thank you, church, for stooping down to help the most vulnerable among us. Allow me to speak this blessing over you. Father, today I thank you that you stooped down for us, that you met us in our place of need. While we were yet sinners, Christ, I you stooped down. You met us in our mess. And now, Father, as we're walking in a greater confidence of your love and strength, may we turn around and stoop down to help those in need, those less fortunate, those that are vulnerable among us. May that love manifest from us in greater and greater measure as we walk this thing out called the life of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week. We encourage you to live generously and give generously. You can do that right there online on our app by searching and downloading Calvary Church CC. You can give on our website or you can text to give by texting Calvary IRV followed by the amount to 833-245-6183. And I encourage you to set up your reoccurring giving. Calvary, let's remain consistent and faithful in the face of inconsistencies.